And welcome to Ray Mahoven. This is Rabbi Yitz Greenfield, MS Marriage and Family Therapy. I'm so happy you're joining me today on J Radio. For those of you who are new listeners, here's what we do. We try to learn and develop new skills and tools to renew and strengthen the connection you have with your spouse. We do this not only from a social science perspective, but we use the Torah as our guide and source of navigation. Ladies and gentlemen, this is a live show. Yes, you don't have to worry. It's a live show, September 29th, 2016, right before Rosh Hashanah. You might be hearing this. No, actually, you might not be. You're not going to hear this on Monday night. What I will tell you is that you're hearing this on Thursday. Yes, Thursday, September 29th. This is a live show. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for joining me. It is my pleasure. Listen, I want to tell you, Mitzvah Shem, we are going to have Siat Dishmaya. We are going to have such an amazing show today. I'm, I feel it. I feel it in my bones. And it's not me. It's complete Siat Dishmaya. I sit here. I look at the Beis HaMikdash. There's this great poster of the Beis HaMikdash in the studio. It's just an amazing poster. And you can't help but be inspired by this floating Beis HaMikdash in this studio. We're going to have something big going on, by the way. I'm going to talk to you a little bit at the end of this show. We are going to have something very, very big going on during a Sarasimei Truva. But first, we want to talk about the key. Today, I'm telling you, and if you don't trust me, why don't you go speak to your rabbi, speak to your posek, speak to your chacham, because he'll tell you the same thing. Today, I'm going to give you a key for a successful Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur that you will be Ezrat Hashem be judged favorably, I'm going to give you probably the, if not the most powerful key, one of the most most powerful keys there are for a successful judgment. You know, aren't we all, are you worried about this? Or are you just saying slichot for the fun of it? Like seriously, those of you, those of you who said slichot this morning, those of you who've been saying slichot, by the way, I have to hand it to the Sephardim. You guys were saying slichot from the beginning of the month. Wow. Wow, that was not easy, but I want to tell you, I want to tell you, it is worth it. You know it's worth it, but I have to hand it to you. It's not easy to wake up in the morning really, really early and to say slichot. But you know why we're doing it? Because we're getting ready for the big day. Rosh Hashanah is when all the decrees are going to be written, and Yom Kippur is when it's going to be sealed. Do you believe in this? I sure hope so, because this is the truth. This is what's going to happen is we're days away from a mega, mega court case. Your whole life, your children's life, those of you who have children, your children's, your relationship with your children, your relationship with your husband, your finances, your health. What isn't going? It's all there, right? Rosh Hashanah. It's not you're getting worried. We're getting nervous. We want, we want to be judged favorably. How do we do it? Of course, you have to pray. And we know we've been all praying since some of you since the beginning of Elul and others of us since this past week. And of course we know this, tshuva, tefillah, tzedakah. No one has to tell us that. But I want to tell you one thing. I want to tell you one thing. There is a key that we're going to talk about now, which maybe I discussed this in the past, maybe I haven't discussed this in the past. But this, what I'm about to say, is I'm telling you the most powerful secret to a successful judgment for you and for your family, Mr. Shem. And what is that? Listen to this remarkable, remarkable Story. There's a story that's brought down in the Gemara Tainus. It goes like this. Rabbi Eliezer once went before the Arna Kodesh. And I think there was no rain, right? There was no rain. You know what's interesting? We, you know, and I know you might be listening to this all over the world. There are people, I know, you know, it's like I say this sitting here in a studio in Brooklyn. I'm thinking to myself, are there really people listening all over the world? Absolutely. I know. I got feedback from Mexico. We got feedback from Mary's Israel. We actually even got feedback from Egypt, believe it or not. But be that as it may, be that as it may, you know, we, we in America, we pray for rain. We ask Kodesh Baruch Hu for rain. In Israel, it's a whole different story. There is a rain season. And if there's no rain during the rain season, you, you got problems. You got major problems because there's not going to be any food. So back in the day, there's actually a whole Gemara, a whole Mishnah. Um, called Tani, Tainis, which means to, to fast. And back in the day when there was no rain, people didn't just pray, they would, they would fast. And we're not talking about one fast. They would fast many days until there was rain. They would dive into Hashem. There was like a, it was a connection between our prayer to Hashem and the rain that used to come down. 
So there was a time where there was absolutely no rain. People get, were getting very worried. Rabbi Eliezer once went before the Arunah Kodesh, and he recited 24 brachas, and he was not answered for the rain. Along comes Rabbi Akiva. Listen to this. Along comes Rabbi Akiva, who went after him. And what does he say? Akiva says, Avinu Malkeinu. We have no king other than you, our father, our king. Your sake, have compassion for us. We're gonna, aren't we going to say this? And you know what happened when Rabbi Akiva said this? Immediately started raining. So here you have Rabbi Eliezer who went in front of the Aaron Kodesh. 24 brachas, nothing happens. Along comes Rabbi Akiva and he says this one line, Avinu Malkeinu. And you know what happens? It starts raining. So the, so the rabbis ask, like, start, they start speaking. They didn't really ask. They actually started speaking. In, not Okay, I got to be careful when I say this because I don't want people to take me literally. There was a nuance of criticism, let's call it, or negativity towards Rabbi Eliezer. Because what does it mean? Look, Rabbi Akiva was answered. Rabbi Eliezer was not answered. So guess what happens? Abbas Kol, which is, means a heavenly voice, comes down and declares, it's not because this one is greater than the other one that he was answered, but what? But because this one is mavir al-midotav. This one foregoes on his character, and this one is not mavir al-midotav. And this one is, does not forego on his character. Listen to this, Rabbi. Binyamin Zimmerman asks the following fascinating question. He writes as follows. If being mevater, which means letting go, right? We speak about this all the time. is such an important character trait. Why does Rabbi Eliezer not act this way as well? I mean, think about it. Rabbi Eliezer, you want to tell me Rabbi Eliezer wasn't mevater? Secondly, why does the Baskol, the heavenly voice, say that Rabbi Akiva is not greater than Rabbi Eliezer? Doesn't this very trait of letting go provide sufficient reason to consider him greater? I mean, it's a good question, Rabbi Zimmerman asked. So to answer this question, he, he quotes Rabbi Yisrael Salantar. Actually, Rabbi Yisrael Salantar brings it down in Yisrael, who explains that the Rabbanon's behavior is the natural outgrowth of their belonging to two different schools of thought. You see, Rabbi Akiva was a Talmud, was a student of Beis Hillel, and Rabbi Eliezer belongs to Beis Shammai. So you see, Shammai felt that the strict adherence to the honor of the Torah is necessary and he therefore was very, very strict in trying to uphold and protect the Torah. Hillel, on the other hand, he felt that the proper path is, is, is different. That humility, being forbearing, letting go uh, of those who have mistreated one, each, each one had yeshiva dedicated in their own ways. Rabbi Akiva and Rabbi Eliezer each follow Rabbi's, Rabbi's teaching. But Rabbi Akiva is forgiving of insult, mavir al-midosav, while Rabbi Eliezer lives by a code of, of, of more of midas adin. Now, both approaches were equally valid, but Rabbi Akiva's davening, his prayer were answered, and Rabbi Eliezer's was not. You see, Hashem treats everyone according to the principle of midah, keneged midah. Rabbi Akiva's behavior, which he was mevater, that allowed Hashem to accept his prayers in the same way. Hashem could let go, and Hashem gave rain. On the other hand, Rabbi Eliezer, his midah sadin, it wasn't, People didn't deserve. They didn't deserve the rain. They didn't deserve the rain. Now, I want to tell you something. You're listening to me and you're thinking, okay, Rabbi Greenfield, this is very nice, but what does it have to do with me? What do you have to do with you? Think about it for a second. Do you think that we all deserve like this wonderful year? You think that we didn't do Averos this past year? You think that this past year, and now, you know, okay, wow, I wasn't going to tell you this, but I'm going to share this with you. I actually, this past Shabbos, we had this chus to have. We we had we had a we had a family who you know some of them were bali chuvis and the other one wasn't really yet bali chuva and this particular woman was I guess coming close. Let's call it coming closer. Thinking about keeping Shabbos and asking different questions. She asked us. <clears throat> she asked us a very interesting question. She says, "Can I ask you a question, Rabbi? I have a question for you. You know, you're religious, and your family's religious, and all the religious people." It seems like you guys are all doing the right thing. I mean, think about it. You're 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 keeping Shabbat, you're keeping kosher, you're you're putting on to fill in, and you're doing everything right. So why like are you guys so scared when it comes to like 
Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, you keep on speaking about repenting, repenting, teshuva, teshuva. Like, what is there to repent? You guys are doing it all. You're keeping Shabbat. You're keeping. You're doing it all. Like seriously, you know. And for the first second of the question, when you when I heard the question, you know, it like sort of like gets you. It's like literally a yetsahar. Like gets you. Like, yeah, I guess I am doing everything. But then you think about it and you realize, oh no, oh no, I'm not doing everything. Maybe Ben Adam Lamalko, and we try to do as much as we can. Um, but we're not. But we're not. Forget about even learning Torah. That we should all be learning more Torah. But you know what? Let's for a second, for a second, the Bein Adam Lechavero. I'm telling you, this Yom Kippur, when you look at the Alchets, and you really, really look at the Alchets, and, and, and you read all the Bein Adam Lamakom, which means the things that we're not supposed to do, us and fellow men, or, or fellow women, right, or with our spouse, and it's like, as much as you want to check off certain things, like a check, think about a checkbox, okay, Shabbos, check, right, and even that, you know. How much of us do we really know Hilchah Shabbos? But okay, let's make a believe, okay? Shabbos, check. Um, um, you know, davening, check. Tefillin, check. Tzitzis, check. <coughs> okay, what do you mean? What do you mean? Should I have a good year, right? But then we think about it. Then we think about it. And then how about the way we're treating our spouse? How about the way do we... What do you mean? I'm very nice. Very nice to her. You want to tell me you never criticized your wife this past year? Seriously, you want to tell me that you never criticized your wife? Is that what you're saying? Do you want to tell me that you never criticized your husband this past year? Okay, but he got me annoyed. What do you mean? He deserved it. Uh, 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 is that what a Kaddish Baruch Hu wants from us? She got me annoyed. She deserved... Is that what Hashem wants from us? Do you know we have a mitzvah, a chiyuv, to love our wives? Do we know this is a Rambam? This is a Rambam's Gemara. Do you know that we have a chiv to respect our wife more than we respect ourselves? All the men who are listening to this, come on, legit, as they say, you want to tell me that you're walking away this year really feeling that you respected your wife more than you respected yourself? Legitimately, you think you really did that? Do you think, do, do we, are we going to say that we never led people to do things that were wrong? We never misled people? That we never, we never even if we don't say Lashon Hara, you want to tell me you've never said Lashon Har this whole past year? You want to tell me you've never said Rechilah this whole past year? And even if you haven't, you want to tell me you haven't even heard Lashon Hara this whole past year? You want to tell me you've never read Lashon Hara or innuendos of, of, of negativity or misled people or med, made people feel bad, hurt people's feelings, take advantage of them for our selfish reasons? I mean, like, we could go on and on and on and on and on. And, and it was like, when she asked me this question, at first, I was like taken back, but then I thought about it, all the al And by the way, for those of you who don't know what I'm talking about, all the al in Yom Kippur, and the ones you say also, Arab Yom Kippur, I think like everybody should not just read them with the English. I, I think, personally, it's a chiyuv in a certain way. Not real chiyuv, but I think if you really, really want to like connect to the al this year, I think what you should do is you should take the art scroll sitter. I don't know if they have Sephardi Siddurim that have it delineated. Or they have another booklet that has like, you know, the person on it, you know, you're clapping Al-Khait. And you read those al and then you'll realize how much wrong you've done this year. I'm serious. Because you read that, it's like, whoa, okay, right. I, I don't know if I really was so nice the way I'm supposed to be, right? So we can't necessarily bank on the fact that we were so good this year that we deserve a whole wonderful year. We can't necessarily bank on that. If a Kaddish Baruch Hu, Chas V'Shalom, would use Midas Adin, we would be in trouble. Come on, admit it. Come on, you have to. I'm sorry, but you have to admit it. You know good and well. If a Kaddish Baruch Hu would use Midas Adin with us, we would have like serious, serious issues, right? So what do we, what do we ask Hashem? Hashem, Kel, Rachum, V'chanun, Erech, Apayim, Rav, Chesed, V'mez, Hashem, please have mercy. Please use Midas Chesed. I know I don't deserve it, but do it for me anyways. I know I don't deserve it, but do it for me anyways, Hashem. Can you please, please do it for me? Oh, you know what? You want a key to success? Be mavater yourselves. Be mavater yourself. Let it go. See what Rabbi Akiva did. Rabbi Akiva, because of Rabbi Akiva's prayer, he was answered. Why? Because his midah was midah of vatranus. And that's what works. And that's what works. And that's letting things go. Being Mavir Al Midosav. We see this again and again and again. It's Mida Kenegan Mida. Hashem will look at you and will say to you, okay, let's see. I'm not saying Chas Shalom if you weren't that, you know, Mitzvah Hashem will all have a good year no matter what. We'll have Schosim. But this is a great key. This is a great key. 
Abed Greenfield, I do it already. You don't understand. My husband annoys me all the time. Okay, listen to me. We do it, but we don't really do it. We do it, but we, you know, we like struggle with it. We struggle with it. Okay, he annoys me, so I'm going to get into a tit for tat with him. I, I, I'm going to, you know, we're going to bounce it off a little bit over here. It's really not fair what you did. And how come you didn't leave me money? And how come you don't learn with the kids? They just started the school year. Come on, come on, come on. Don't, 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 don't. Here's an opportunity right now. I'm telling you, in a certain sense, this is more important than Slichos. I'm serious. I'm serious. Ask your Rav. To be mevater. To be mevater. Call him mevater al mevdosav mavirin lo kol pishov. And the Gemara says, anybody who's mevater on, on his midos, someone gets him annoyed. It's not fair, especially your husband, your wife, your children. They get you annoyed. But you know what? It's not fair. It's not fair. It's not fair. It's not fair. You know, they tell me I'm done, Rabbi. I'm done. You know what? How about stopping to talk like that and not saying it's not fair anymore and not saying I'm done anymore and just cutting it out and really being mevater from the beginning. As, as easy as it is. You know, if someone asked me the other day, an interesting question, I want to share this with you. Talk about being mevater. Honestly, many times I do, but I'm not really being mevater. I'm still holding the grudge in my heart. Okay, okay, listen, we're not all, um, you know, Hillel Azakain, where we mamish don't care, and somebody could come to us and make us crazy and whatever it is. But at least you're not reacting behaviorally in an attacking, critical, belittling way. You're not attacking and criticizing your husband. You're not attacking and criticizing your wife, or your children for that matter. You're not doing that. Even though you're clearly upset, you're clearly, clearly upset, you know what? You're giving yourself time. Walk away. Take deep breaths. We'll talk about it soon. But today, what I want to talk about, Bi'ikar, what I want to talk about today, because I'm seeing this a lot, a lot of people I'm working with, and just in general, and that is tit for tat. Tit for tat. Ladies and gentlemen, I feel that every marriage has this poison in their relationship. Tit for tat, tit for tat, tit for tat. I'm going to tell you Zach in a second because I, I categorized it into, I think, four components. Let's see what I wrote. Uh, I think four components, maybe even five. And you're going to see that I am telling you in your marriage, you are tit for tatting. You're tit for tatting. You don't even realize it, but you're tit for tatting. And every time you're tit for tat, I feel you are preventing bracha coming from your house to your house. You really, really are. You're preventing. Because it's very hard not to tit for tat. Because you know why? Because, what do you mean? What do you mean I'm wrong? I'm, I'm right. You're wrong, and I'm right. And we have this crazy, insane drive to feel that we're right. To feel that we're right. To feel that we're not wrong. To feel that we don't make mistakes. To feel that, uh, that we don't do right. Now, by the way, and I want to tell you this, by the way, because some of you might be married to spouses who have this wild, intense need to always be right. To always be right to then. Now, most of the time, I see it this drive more by men, but I will tell you there are women who have this need as well. I've seen women like this. Well, they have this, this, this crazy, wild drive to always be right. <sighs> oh, you're talking about my husband now. You're talking about my wife. Okay, if this is the way you feel, I, I don't want you to blame. This is not a blame game. I don't want you to blame your husband, and I don't want you to blame your wife for this because... The truth of the matter is, ladies and gentlemen, it's not their fault. <laughs> what do I mean? It's not their fault. Many of your husbands and your wives grew up without, without the love, without the trust, without the security. And, and, and for them, there's no such a thing as making a mistake. There's no such a thing as making a mistake. The hardest words to get ever out of their mouths is, I'm sorry. They can't say the words, I'm sorry. The words, I'm sorry for them is like, it, it's, like you know, it's like saying shame Hashem for no purpose. That's, that's how bad it is. Like They cannot say, I'm sorry. And you want to know why? It's not because they're like nasty or mean or a witch or uh, whatever it is. You know why it's like that? It's because I'm telling you, because I've seen cases like this. I, I'm telling you like this. You know why it's so hard for him to say I'm sorry or for her to say I'm sorry? Because if I say I'm sorry, that means I'm a failure. That means I'm a horrible person. There's no middle ground. I, I can't be a mistake. There's no middle ground. If, I'm, if I say I'm sorry, that means I made a mistake. If I made a mistake, I am a flat-out loser. This is the way your spouse was trained as a child. I'm not talking to all of you, obviously. But many of you. Your child was trained as a... When they were, a child. Your spouse was trained as a child that if they make a mistake, 
Achenvei. Achenvei. Oh boy. Don't you think, oh, you got a 60 on the test? Oh boy, you, you better not get a 60 on a test. How dare you? You made a mistake because you, you, you spilled over the, the drink I just made and it's all over the floor. How dare you? I don't understand what you just did. Telling a little child. You don't know. Those people who are, who are tough with their children, especially parents who are new to the game. I'm talking about parents who just literally started having children and they just don't really know what they're doing. Trust me on this one. Do not, do not attack your kid. Do not attack your child. I don't care what it is. I don't care what they did. You hear me? I don't care. Do not attack your child. Criticism, there's a way to criticize your child in a healthy way. But they have to feel that you love them. That's what they have to feel. If they feel that you're resentful and you're upset and how dare you do that, I can't believe I got you into the upper class, say to your child. I got you into the higher class. There was a lower class and there's a higher class. I convinced the Rosh Shiva to get you into the higher class. And now, now you're failing in class. Now you're telling me that you're falling asleep. I don't believe this. How is the child going to feel? The child's going to feel like a shmata. That's what a child's going to feel. And that child of yours is going to grow up. I, I'm telling you, they all grow up. All your children, they grow up. And they become husbands and wives one day. And they take that peckle with them. And some of your husbands and your wives are like this right now, and that's why they can't apologize. That's why it's so hard for them. Because if they apologize, they feel like, they feel like, 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 like dirt, like dirt, like losers. And that's why it's so hard for them. They can't control themselves. I'm telling you, they can't control themselves. And some of you know exactly what I'm talking about because you know when they really do apologize, they start crying like hysterically. And why are they crying hysterically? Like, okay, you made a mistake. You don't have to feel so bad. Like, hello. Because there's a problem with their childhood. And this is important also for parents to know, especially for parents to know. Um, yeah, while I'm on this topic, I, you know, while I'm on this topic, I know we're sort of jumping over here, but it's important because I, 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 I do, you know, Rosh Hashanah, we're going to have a lot of time to spend with our children. For those of you who have children, it's very, very, very important to lift your child up. I don't mean this physically, emotionally. I'm talking about lifting the self-esteem. Wow, Moshe, I saw you down today for a younger child. Moshe, I saw you down. I was very proud of you the way you were down today. You were inside most of the you were in the shul most of the day, as opposed to how come you were outside most of the day? You know it's Rosh Hashanah. Do you know we're getting judged today? How come you're playing with your friends outside? I don't understand this. Is that motivating your child to come in? Or is that forcing your child to come in? It doesn't work. It doesn't work. I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, it doesn't work. You're going to get them to come into the shul, but they're not going to be motivated. These are the kids later on who grew up and they're not interested in coming in anymore. I'm not interested. You better sit right next to me. You hear this, child of mine? You better sit right next to me because during Kriyat Torah, I want you right over here. You know what goes on today? You know, you know what's going on in Shemaim? Do you know? It's not the way to speak to our children. Speak to them with love. Moshe, make me so happy to sit with me during Rosh Hashanah. Thank you. I was so proud of you. You were sitting. Do you want to go out now? No problem. Go out and have a good time now. That's the way we speak to our children. Be loving. Lift them up on Rosh Hashanah. Them to say they're very Torah. We'll talk about this hopefully more at the end of the show. But what I want to tell you is, ladies and gentlemen, we have a new year. Shana Chadasha. We have a new year. It's a new opportunity. Let's, let's, you know, let's grab this opportunity. Number one, to be Mavatar. Number two, to bring more love into our homes. When I say love, I'm talking about for the children. Very, very important to praise them genuinely. Not like, oh, you're amazing. Like, why am I amazing? <laughs> Why, why am I amazing? I have to share this with you. I, my daughter, she did something. I forgot what it was, and I complimented her. And, and she's smart. She says to me, you're complimenting me. But she wanted to know, what, what do you mean? Like, what did I do that you're complimenting? She wanted to hear the details. And then it hit me. I'm like, you know what? I should really tell her the details why I was so impressed with her. And I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, it's important to give them the details. I was so impressed today that I didn't have to ask you, and you set the table for us. You know, usually I ask you, but you just set the table. So, and I even have to ask you, and you set the table. Thank you. Thank you, uh, Miriam, Sarah, your daughter, or your, or your son. You were so impressed that you got up for davening so early today. These motivators, I'm telling you, that's what's going to make them. Make me, don't break me. That's going to give them the chinuch that you want in today's, in today's world. And I don't have to tell you what's going on right now. Okay, daven for people who, 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 who you know, challenges with children. And I, by the way, I just want to mention this, by the way. I think the challenges that parents have today with teenagers has never been like this. I, I'm telling you, every family that I work with, they have teenagers, families I speak to, 
the challenges that we're having with teenagers today is, is, is surreal. It, it's not normal. It's not normal because the challenges that teenagers are having today is not normal. This is the way society that we're working in today. Forget about the smartphones and the internet, but just everything that's going on today, it's just a different world. So I'm telling you, the key to the success with your children is to empower and to motivate your children, to praise your children, tell them how amazing they are as opposed to how many problems they are, what they didn't do, and why they're not going to davening, or they're not dressing tineas, so or they're not this or not that. I'm telling you. Now, I, I want to I move to, to the topic that I want to discuss today, and that's tit for tat. Like this, like this. It's very important what I'm about to say. And that is, do whatever you can in your marriage not to get into a tit for tat. Not to start being, I, I, I really feel it's a black hole. You know, like a black hole, you get sucked into it and it gets darker and darker and darker because you're not going to convince your spouse and your spouse is not going to convince you. And even if you're 100% right, you're not going to convince them. And I know some of you are going to come to me and say to me, no, I actually did convince him. I actually did convince her. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. Unless it's flat out, like we're talking about, um, you know, you know, Moshe, we don't have any milk in the refrigerator. Maybe you should go out and buy milk. And for Moshe to go into the refrigerator and say, ah, actually, there is milk over here. Look, there's milk. That, okay. But you're going to see soon that's not what we're doing. We're getting into these ridiculous tits-for-tats. And we're trying to prove each other that, the other that we're right and they're wrong. And all it's creating resentment, negativity, choshech, um, which is, you know, like literally darkness in our houses, and it doesn't bring bracha. And we have to fight ourselves. This is very, very hard. You know, it's very easy for me to talk about this in the studio. Oh, you know what? Don't get in tit for tat. But I know. I know. You know, I'm not, I'm not silly. I know good and well. I know good and well this is murder. It's very, very hard. And let's talk about the different categories of tit for tat. I'm going to talk about the, the easiest one to be mevater, and then I'm going to talk to you about the most difficult one to be mevater. Let's start with the easiest one to be mevater. And this I put under the label of unsolicited advice. Unsolicited advice. And I want to tell you, I used to think originally that, I'll be honest with you, you know, <laughs> I'm not perfect. I, 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 used to, I, ha I had a theory originally, originally, years, 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 years ago. And I used to think that it's a, pr it's, it's a male problem. That's, I used to think it's a male problem that men do not like to be given advice that's unsolicited. Meaning, you know, when you turn here, you're driving with your husband, turn here, turn there, slow down, you don't have gas, backseat driving, or, um, you know, you, know you, you got the bill in the mail, you should really pay it. Um, you know, your teeth are hurting you, you should go to the dentist. You know, you haven't taken a haircut yet for whatever. Unsolicited advice. Unsolicited advice. I want to tell you, I, I still... I still feel overall, overall, I think the problem is more by males than by females. But I will tell you, oh boy, I see a lot of women who have this problem as well with their husbands. Unsolicited advice. You know, why are you cutting the salad like that? Why don't you cut it in smaller pieces? Um, you're making chicken? You know, you should really turn it over because if you don't turn it over, it's not going to be as good. Or, you know, you're diapering the baby? I don't know why you're doing that. Why don't you do this? Different things, just like what? You know, you make the linen, you really don't have to make the linen like that. If you could just, if you, if you spread it out, first the linen, spread it out, and then put the blanket, you could just twist it over and put, it's like, who's asking you? Who's asking you? Do you understand that when we're giving unsolicited advice to our spouse, the interpretation many times, if not most times, is that you're not good enough. You don't know. You don't know. I'll show you. Definitely, definitely, definitely by most men. I, I could tell you almost for sure. Your husband, unsolicited advice, you tell him how to do things. You tell him how to do things. I'm telling you right now, he's going to feel resentful from the get-go. And even if you manage to convince him, even if you, you see, I convinced him. <laughs> I convinced him. Guess what? He's not going to walk away from the conversation feeling close and loving and connected. He's going to walk away from the conversation feeling resentful, feeling like he had that you want up to him, and it's and it's as if as if he doesn't necessarily know it so well, and he's not going to admit it. But it could strike his self-esteem. You know how many people have issues with self-esteem today? You know, I, I venture to say there are more people 
who have unhealthy self-esteem than healthy self-esteem. I know this is a radical, radical statement, and I, I can't prove it to you. I'm, I'm just venturing to say it. I'm not saying it for sure. But I'm telling you, so many people today who don't have a healthy self-esteem, for different reasons, it could be so many reasons, have to, either childhood or because of finances or, God forbid, health, Oh, God forbid, raising your children and it's not going the way it is. It, it just does things that should help esteem. Unsolicited advice doesn't work. So now let's, let's talk about it for a second, okay? Because you're going to get into a tit for tat. That's what's going to happen. Um, you're driving with your husband, right? Ladies, you're driving with your husband. And you look at the gas tank and you see that the gas tank is almost empty. You know, this gas tank, okay, my husband, you know, and it's getting you nervous and you know, whatever. And you're like, you know, you say to your husband, Moshe, I'm not talking about when you're nervous and turning to your husband and telling your husband, Moshe, I know it's probably you probably don't want to hear this, and I totally understand, but it's just making me nervous that we're like really, really close to empty. And for him to reassure you, oh, don't worry, we're gonna get gas. I'm talking about, hello, can you look at your gas tank? Do you see? You should really go. You know, you should really go to a gas station. Otherwise, we're gonna get stuck. Listen to the statement. You should really go to the gas station, otherwise we're going to get stuck. And he looks at her, and he says to her, Oh, don't worry. I, I know this gas tank. I have at least another 20 miles. And she looks at him, and she says, That's not necessarily so, because now we, that's when you don't have the AC on. But now we have the AC on. It's burning more gas. And he looks at her, and he says to her, No, it's not true, because when the AC is on, I know that actually gives us another 15 miles. But now we only have 20 miles. And then she's like, That's not true. You know, you're not... And it goes back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And you know something? Sometimes it becomes belittling. I want to tell you something. I, I don't, don't want to give you details. I, I, the truth is I do want to give you details. It's nothing to do with my practice. It's something to do that I've seen in shul. How one person was arguing with another person. It was so, so uncalled for. It was like, please, please, please. I, I literally had to get involved. Afterwards, I, I went to the person who they, they were attacking. And I'm like, don't worry. It's okay. You did a wonderful job. And you see how one person is arguing with another person on, on some sort of, you know, I think it was a silliness. And, and besides, there are other people there. You're making a whole thing. Whatever. And you know what happened, honestly? They got into a tit for tat. So he's telling him you did was wrong. He's telling me what I did was right. Back and forth, back and forth. Until one person gets so angry. And I saw this. I'm telling you, I saw it. Well, I don't know if I saw it. I heard it. I was right there. And I hear one person. And he looks at the other person, and he says to him, and I'm not going to quote it directly, because then anybody who was there would know. And he says to him, you know, he looks at him, he says to him, you know, you're just an idiot. I couldn't believe my ears. I couldn't believe my ears. You, you know, it's one thing to get into an argument. You can respectfully disagree with each other. But then to look at the other person and tell him that he's an idiot? Like, are you serious? In a shul, mind you! In a shul? For Rosh Hashanah? Are you people normal? Like, I couldn't believe I couldn't believe it. But you know what it means? Let me tell you what it means. It means that these tits for tats could get lethal. So I'm telling you, gentlemen now, men, you see your wife cutting the salad in whatever way and you think that she could use a different type of knife and that knife would be better. Let it go. Let it go. But what do you mean? I know she could do it better. I, you know, I have a much better way for her to do that. Let it go. Let it go. Because you know what's going to happen. It's going to get into its for, for tat. She'll say no. You'll say yes. She'll say no. She'll say yes. If you're married, you know what I'm talking about. Because you've experienced this. The yes, no, yes, no. And, and, and you're trying to prove to him. She's uh, You're trying to prove to him. He's trying to prove to you. And before you know it, it's back and forth and back and forth and back. You just get disgruntled. You don't get anywhere. You know what you're supposed to do? Let me tell you what you're supposed to do. One of you be the hero. One of you be the tzaddik. One of you bring this chosim into your house and say to your spouse, you know, we're in a tit for tat. Let's forget it. It's okay. Even though in your mind you're thinking, this is so silly. Like, I don't know why she's not listening to me. I'm telling you, I have this knife. I just bought it the other day. It could cut the salad so much better. I don't know why she's using this one. Because she likes the other one. She's used to that. That's what she's used to. It doesn't make any sense. Let her at least try it. She's telling me she's used to. Let her try the new knife. I just bought it for her. She cut the salad. She doesn't want to use it on that. She wants to use it on something else. So she wants to save it for a certain time. It's like, this is so ridiculous. Like, why is she acting so silly? I don't understand. You're never going to understand. If you're going to ask yourself that question, you're never going to understand. It doesn't make a difference. You don't have to understand. You have to know to yourself that a Kodesh wants you to stop the argument and just let it go and move on. Even though it might seem silly. 
even though she might not want to walk through a certain street because that street reminds her of something, whatever it is. Or she might not want to walk through the cemetery, even though the cemetery is a much shorter way, but the cemetery gives her the creeps. And you're like, come on, don't be ridiculous. And you go back and forth. Or she wants the house painted right now, and you're thinking it's ridiculous. Or if she wants... <laughs> I'm laughing because something like that just happened to me, actually. Something like that just happened to me. I, you know, I like the details. But I'm laughing because it's so true. I'm telling you as a husband myself, my wife wanted a certain piece of furniture that someone wanted to give her a certain piece of furniture. It was really nice furniture. And I'm thinking, why do we need that piece of furniture? Like, ugh, it's going to be such a headache. Bring it in. We're going to get moving. How am I going to get moving? I was like, no, no, no. We're going to do it. I'll do it myself. I'll take care of it myself. I'm like, fine. You want to take care of yourself? Fine. Because this is going to create such a mess. I, I, I felt, I'll be honest with you, here on the air, I'll tell you, I made a mistake. I was like, you know what? Like, I, I'm saying to her, this is really not, I, I didn't understand that. I'm thinking it's only going to clutter. It's not going to be good, whatever it is. And I'm saying, fine, you want it, fine, you want to do it. End of the day, end of the day, I caught myself. I did caught myself. I thought I was too late because I figured, like, you know, I should really help my wife move this piece of furniture. I really should. Like, she's doing it herself. I told her she wants to do it herself. She could do it herself. I just don't have the time. And legitimately, I don't have the time. I'm helping people and everything. But I was wrong. And I realized, you know, yeah. And then I'm like, oops, you know, maybe I should help her with it. And then I called her up the day of the move when she wanted to move the friend. I'm like, if you need help, I'll be more than happy to help you. Or I could do it, whatever. She's like, no, it's okay. I actually got someone already to do it. She says, I got someone to do it. Ends up being what? She calls me. And mom, I feel like a thank you, Hashem. She calls me right before the person was supposed to come. The person canceled on her. And she was not able to move this piece of furniture. And she calls me. She's like, you know what? She's like, listen, if you want the opportunity, no problem. You come right now and help me because I really don't have anybody. And I went, and I was so happy to do it. I was so happy. Thank you, Hashem, for giving me the opportunity. Because in the beginning, I was like, this is ridiculous. I'll tell you a little secret. I'm so happy I did it. First of all, I'm happy I do it because it was a great connecting moment for me and my wife. And you know what else? I'm happy to do it because she was right. She was right. We really did need that piece of furniture in the home. Now I see it, right? Women have the sixth sense. Men, I'm telling you all of this. Don't argue with your wives. They know what they're talking about. They do know what they're talking about. I'm not trying to say this to impress the women. I'm telling you simply, simply because your wife knows what she's talking about. I see it all the time in practice. I see it all the time with myself. They know. They have a certain bina. Just don't argue with it. They really, really are very strong about something, whether not for you to get into the business, maybe to get a new piece of furniture in the house, for, I don't know, to build a new room in the house, for the kids, whatever it is, whatever it is. They have foresight. I'm telling you, we don't always see the nolad. We're very, very analytical in the present, not always in the future. Now, there are couples that it works the other way around. There are exceptional couples. I know some of you are listening to me and telling me, thinking to yourself, actually, men who are listening to me, you know, I always tell my wife, I'm the one who sees the future. I'm the one who's able to predict what's going to happen. But she doesn't know. Unsolicited advice doesn't work. I tell you it doesn't work. Don't get into a tit for tat. Don't get into a tit for tat. It's not worth it. So that's the first form of unsolicited advice. The second form of unsolicited advice that I want to, no, so the second form of tit for tat that I want to talk to you about today is controversial. This is a little bit harder to get out of, but I think you could still get out of. Ladies and gentlemen, this Rosh Hashanah, you're going to be spending time with your family with your wife, with your kids, with guests. A lot of you are going to have guests. And you know what happens many times on your Shabbos tables? There are conversations that pop up, different conversations. It could be politics. It could be what's going on. Of course, if it's Lashon Hara, stop it right away. Stop it in its tracks. But let's say you're talking politics. Or you're talking about, you know, you're talking about the bombing that happened, you know, and your husband... Your husband, let's say, says, you know, that bomb in New York, he says, he says that, uh, you know, this whole thing with the alert, you know, there was an alert that came out on all the phones, all the smartphones had these alerts. They were looking for a certain guy. So let's say your husband says he doesn't think it's a good idea. And you think it was a good idea, right? Or even better, let's say your husband says something which is flat out wrong. You hear me? Flat out wrong. He says to you, he says, you know what he says? He says, oh yeah, you know, they, they made an alert for the, after they, they were looking for the suspects from the bombs. So they made an alert and it came on everybody's smartphones and you saw the name of the person and you saw the picture of him. Let's say, you know, the picture wasn't there. <clears throat> He's just wrong. He's saying something that wasn't right. Don't correct him. Don't correct him. You might say, why shouldn't I correct him? He's saying something which is not right. Listen to me. Don't correct him. 
You're going to get into a tit for tat. You're going to say it never happened. He'll say it did happen, especially if they're a guest. And then other people might get involved and he'll be embarrassing for your husband. Don't, don't, don't get it. Don't correct your husband. Some of you don't stop correcting your husbands or correcting your wives. I see it. I see it. Some, I'm telling you, I, I'm not talking to, to you who is listening right now. I'm talking to the other one, right? That what? That you don't stop correcting your husband or your wife. It's not true. No, we didn't go there. That's not what happened. No, we didn't go to bar mitzvah at 9 o'clock. We went at 10 o'clock. We didn't leave at 11 o'clock. No, we didn't meet that person. We met that person. No, it wasn't cold. It was hot. No, I wasn't wearing with this. I was wearing that. Who cares? Like, seriously, who cares? Let it go. No, but it's important for me to correct him. By the way, you know where a lot of you are getting this from? I hate to say this, from your parents. Yeah, your parents. Think about it. If your husband doesn't stop correcting you, think about his father and mother. If your wife doesn't stop correcting you, think about their father and mother. And I'm not blaming their father and mother. I'm not blaming their father and mother. Because their father and mother probably saw it in their parents' house and it's multi-generational. These things are proven. Statistically, it goes from generation to generation. Cut it out. Cut it out. Cut it out. Don't argue. It's not important. You're sitting there on the Shabbos table, the Yom Tif table, and your husband says something that's silly, just let it go. Let it go. Don't get into a tit for tat. And even if it's not a Yom Tif table, if it's another situation, <clears throat> let it go. He's going to say it happened. You're going to say it's not. He's going to prove to you that it did. You're going to prove to him that it's not. Great. You win. <laughs> Wonderful. You feel good now? You feel good? You, did you bring bracha into your house? Did you bring bracha into your house? No. No. Is that respecting your wife more than you respect yourself? No. Do you feel loving and connected to your wife now? No. So what have you accomplished? Absolutely zero. Well, I'm right. I feel good. Great. Now what? <laughs> like, seriously. Please, just stay away from these tit for tats. So that's, that's, that's the tit for tat. I call this a conversational tit for tat. That's a conversation. Like, no, we're not in a fight. We're just, you know, I'm just arguing with you because what you're saying is not true. I'm just arguing with you because I just want to prove to you that you don't know what you're talking about. Okay. One, you like Trump? <laughs> who do you, who do you, you know, you like Trump, you like Clinton, back and forth, he's, she's good, he is good, let it go, let it go, let him say whatever he wants. Viter, as they say, Viter. Let's go to the next one. The next one, <clears throat> we don't have a lot of time. The next one is request. This is a little bit more complicated. Your husband asks you for something to do. Actually, let's do it the other way around, because it generally does start the other way. Your wife asks you to take care of something that you feel is just it's not important. This is literally what just happened to me this past week. Where you feel it's like it's not so important. It's not necessary. It doesn't make sense. Say your your wife says to you, let's say your wife says to you, you know what? Can you can you lock the can you double lock the front door? Can you double lock it? Uh uh. Please double lock the front door. And you feel like, why should I double lock the front door? One lock is enough. If somebody wants to break into the door, they can break. If someone's going to break through one lock, they're going to break through two locks. They're going to break three locks. I don't even know why we have two locks or three locks. But you know what? I did it for you. But now you want me like, you're getting upset. Like, I shouldn't go to sleep before I check the door. And you can't go downstairs because you're not in that type of situation. You go downstairs. So, so I should go downstairs and double lock the door, triple lock the door because you're nervous? No. Like you turn to your wife and you say to her, I don't understand. Why do you, wh why do you care about that? Trust me. If someone's going to break in, they're going to break in anyways with double locks or triple locks. And she's like, no, it's not true because I know someone who they broke into and they, they'd only break on one. And you go back and forth. You say to her, no, that was a different case. And before you know it, you're in this tit for tat, tit for tat. She's trying to prove to you that it's dangerous. You're trying to prove to her that it's safe. And you know where you're getting? You're getting absolutely nowhere. And even if you're going to convince her, you hear me? Even if you're going to convince her that you're right and she's wrong, you still failed. You hear me? You still failed. You know why you failed? Because you created distance. You failed in the eyes of Hashem. You failed in your home. And if there are children around, you failed in their eyes as well. And you shouldn't have a chas in front of children. But you failed. Because you let yourself be dominated by this tit-for-tat back and forth to prove to your wife that she's... Ladies, I'm sorry. I'm sorry to say this. It works the other way around also. Many women do this all the, all the time as well. They'll try to prove to their husbands that what they're doing is wrong. Or you know, the, the husband will make a request of their wife. Husband will ask his wife to please um, don't park over there because you're going to get a ticket. And the wife will say to her husband, no, no, don't worry. We don't get a tickets over there. I, I, I've never gotten tickets over there. 
You could double park in this block. Here's a good one for you. You can double park in this block. They don't give tickets during alternate, alternate side parking. They don't give tickets. Those of you who are overseas might not relate to what, we're, what we have to deal with over here in New York City. But you could double park in this block. They don't give tickets. And husband says to you, no, please don't double park. Please find the parking. We've gotten tickets. Back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. I've seen this with couples. And you know what happens? Guess what? Either you either you're gonna convince your husband, you're gonna to say to him, I'm not doing it, I'm sorry. If you want, you could go, you go park yourself. Can you imagine people speak like this in their marriage? Like the Rama, you know, the Gemara and the Rama say, What? Love your husband, treat him like a king. And then there are women who tell their husband, you know, if you want to do it, do it yourself. So so is that bringing bracha into our houses? How does Hashem feel about that? Akaviachal. What does that bring? Bracha? So now what? So now what? You weren't mevater. You told your husband, if you want to do it, do it yourself. And you know what? You got it your way. You got it your way. So now your husband does it. But now he's doing it. He went out and he goes out. Is he frustrated? Of course he's frustrated. Is he resentful? Oh boy, is he resentful. Is he mad? Oh yeah, he's mad. But maybe you have one of those husbands who just stonewalls. He just won't talk about it. And that's going to come out later. Or maybe you have one of those husbands who's going to try to be mevater. He's not just trying to be mevater. So he's mevater, and he's not making an issue out of it, but he doesn't feel close to you now. He feels very, very far from you now. So this wasn't worked together because you got into a tit-for-tat. You lied yourself again into a tit-for-tat. And sometimes you took control and you said, you know what, you want to do it, do it yourself. I'm not interested. You want to do it, do it yourself. Never speak like this in your home. I'm not just talking to the ladies, I'm talking to the men as well. Never, ever, ever say this to your spouse. If you want to do it, do it yourself. That is the antithesis of what Hashem wants from us. If you do not believe me, you can speak to your Rav, your Posek, your Chacham, and ask them, is there anything wrong with telling my wife or my husband, if you want to do it, do it yourself? That is not bringing bracha into your house. That's not being mevater. That's tit for tat at a very, very, very high level. I'm sorry for being so strong, but I see this. And I see couples drifting away because of these comments. It's so sad. It's so sad. It's so sad. And finally, the last piece of tit for tat is as follows. And that is as follows. Hold on. And that is in the middle of a fight. You know, I don't like calling them fights. I like calling them negotiations, but sometimes they become fights. And they, they're confrontational, and they're attacking, and they're belittling, and they become really out-of-control fights. I'm going to give you an example of how something that was started off as what I call question criticism and ends up into a fight, and you're in a tit-for-tat. And it becomes a very big disagreement. Let's say your husband doesn't come home on time. He doesn't come home on time, right? And you ask him specifically to come home on time. It's happening all the time. You need help with the kids. Your husband doesn't come home. You have to take care of the kids yourself. It makes you very frustrated. You ask your husband. He promised you to come on time. So here's, let's go through this conversation. The wife says to the husband, why didn't you come home on time last night? Right? Why, why didn't you come home last night? Now, first of all, that's, that could be question criticism. Because you're basically setting him up for failure. Because if he says to you, I didn't come home last night because I actually feel that it's more important for me to, I don't know, spend time with my friends than to spend time with you. <laughs> Is that what he's going to say? No. Human psychology will always sway to the side of, I'm not wrong. I'm not wrong. I didn't do anything wrong. So what does he say? What are you talking about? I came at 6 o'clock just like you asked me. That the wife says back to her husband, that can't be. I specifically remember looking at my watch when it was six and then waiting another 20 minutes till you finally arrived. Then the husband says, I can't believe you're saying that. I know what time I parked. It was exactly 6.03. I looked at the clock in the car. Well, you must have, so the wife says to the husband, well, you must have been doing something else before you came home. And you see, you're already changing it from the time to six to 6.03. Okay. You're in a tit for tat. You're in a tit for tat. You could go back and forth and back and forth. Did you go to cleaners? I told you to go to cleaners. I told you to pick something up for me. You didn't pick up for me. I asked you when to go to the supermarket to get to get the baking soda. You didn't get the baking soda. Tit tat. Tit for tat. Tit for tat. Run away. It's a black hole. You will never agree with each other. Trust me. And if you do, it's just forced agreement. That's what it is. Get out. Get out. One of you has to look at the other and say, "We are in a tit for tat." Just forget about it. We're in, you're going to feel uncomfortable, but just say, we're in a tit-for-tat. Let's, let's, we're in a tit-for-tat. Like Rabbi Greenfield, we're in a tit-for-tat. Just move on. Let's just move on. We're in a tit-for-tat. Okay. Like this. Like this. Please focus on this. Please focus on the Rosh Hashanah. Yom Kippur, Seismitruva. Focus. Do not 
I'm asking you, please do not allow yourself to get caught up in this black hole. I call it a black hole. It's a tit for tat. Up and down. Constant black hole. The black hole is a tit for tat. It sucks you into darkness. It splits up the relationship. You'll get your way at the end. Fine. You know, either through forcing your way through or you'll control your way through or you'll tell your husband or your wife. You'll say to them, you know what? If that's the way you want, do it yourself. These are all toxic statements. Instead, just be mavater. Be mavater. Let it go. Don't make an issue. Move on. Move on. But it's not fair, Rabbi Greenfield. It's really not fair. Like, why can't I tell him that? Why can't I tell her that? She should know. She should really know. She doesn't have to know anything, okay? You know what she has to know? She has to know that her husband loves her. That's all she has to know. Now, Roshana, very important. You have time right now. We're spending a lot of time with the kids. Those of you who have children, make it a pleasant time. Don't criticize the children. I know the kids are going to get you annoyed. This is the way they do. is They don't do it on purpose. They're kids. We did the same thing to our parents. Show them love. Show them motivation. Empower them. Spend quality time with your children. Spend quality time with your wife. Yes, I'm Rosh Hashanah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm Adin. Yeah, yeah. Rosh Hashanah. After davening, eat something. Go take a walk with your wife. Yeah. Yes. Yes. This is the time. You know, people don't understand. People don't understand. Kashbarah who wants us. says outright to love our wives, to feel connected to our wives. We don't always have an opportunity. So maybe this is the opportunity. We don't have a lot of time here. Okay, the warning. That's number one. Number two. Number two. Take the opportunity to Rosh Hashanah with your children especially, to empower them, to compliment them. So, so, so important to take the opportunity to empower and to compliment your children genuinely. Compliment your wives genuinely. Before I leave today, I want to mention something else very, very important. J-Root Radio. J-Root Radio, which, you know, all this because of J-Root Radio, right? Everything here, J-Root Radio. J-Root Radio is, that's the show I'm going to have a really, really big radiothon. I'm telling you now, we're going to need help. We need volunteers. It's going to be very, very big during a Sarasi Mechuva. We're going to need volunteers to come to answer phones to help. If you are available, you have time free. Specifically, 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 if you are available on October 2nd, I think. No, October 9th to volunteer, to help, to give your time for J Radio, please let us know. Please let us know. You can let the... You could text into the studio, 347-927-8398. That's 347-927-8398. And let J Root Radio that you are available to volunteer to help J Root Radio. It's the beginning of the year. You want to give back a little bit. You want to, you want to help them with the upcoming Radiothon. And we're going to be talking about this. This is going to be a tremendous Radiothon. There's a sham, Nasen of Atzliach, to help J Root Radio do its important mission right before Rashayim Kippur. During our CRCMA Chuba, so if you can volunteer, J Root Radio, we're looking for volunteers. Text 347-927-8398. If you have any time to volunteer, 347-927-8398. Also, I will mention to you, if you have something nice to say about J Radio during the Radiothon, maybe you want to call in, you can also text 347-927-8398. Or maybe come in, because we're going to have a really big Radiothon. It seems like it's going to happen October 9th, Sunday, right before M. Kipper. 347-927-8398. Thank you so much for listening. Have a Ksiva V'chasim Shana Tova, have an inspiring, a connecting, and amazing, and, and a favorable, favorable judge, judge, we should all be judged favorably on Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, this has been Rabbi Yitz Greenfield, question, comments, feedback, 917-397-2841, remember, if you can volunteer, 347-927-8398, thank you, have an amazing week, and a good